I don't know if there's a rumor or what, someone trying to take the body or some silly thing, but it's highly unusual to do a nighttime autopsy. And that was, and that was scheduled. You have said that there was nothing normal about Tupac Shakur's autopsy. Well, there was nothing normal in the sense of how everything transpired. I mean, they secretly got him out of the hospital is the way I understand it. They got him to the coroner's office. And again, I've never done a nighttime autopsy before. Vilified, deified. It's hard to find anyone apathetic about rapper and actor Tupac Shakur. By the time of his passing, September 13, 1996, he had sold millions of records. In death, the prolific musical artist would sell millions more. 25 years ago, it was clear to me how influential Tupac was, and I went in hard in reporting the case and scored several firsts, including getting the first interview with the original Las Vegas Metro detectives. 25 years later, once again, an exclusive, I interview now-retired homicide detective Brent Becker. Nothing is off the table. I'm Lana Nozizwe reporting. Tupac's murder was his case. Episode 2, The Autopsy. My reporting on the murder of Tupac Shakur 25 years ago included talking to multiple sources, with in-death row records, the Compton Police Department, and of course the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Early on among my friends, I became the go-to person to ask about the case. It didn't take long before I started hearing the rumor that Tupac was still alive. I began getting questions from people I know asking about that, and I will admit that at first it surprised me. One of the people who asked is a news photographer who I've known forever. It surprised me because in the course of doing my interviews with the original detectives on the case, I did have access to the case file under their watch that included autopsy photographs of Tupac Shakur. 25 years later, there's only more mystery and speculation surrounding the notion that Tupac arranged a fantastic escape from death worthy of Houdini, or Machiavelli if you were to ask his fans. What was rumored 25 years ago when I first covered the case as an on-camera correspondent for a primetime crime show is fodder for social media platforms which report on Tupac sightings around the world to this day. I personally know believers in that to this day. Retired Las Vegas Metro detective Brent Becker was among a handful of people in this whole wide world to witness what he unhesitatingly says was Tupac's autopsy. And in this episode, for the first time, he reveals to me what he witnessed. This episode does come with a warning. The topic matter is an autopsy and some descriptions are graphic, never gratuitous. You've been warned. Thursday comes around. I mean, what are you thinking as the week progresses? What are you thinking is going on? Well, we've still got this case going because from the visits to the hospital and 
and everything. I, it's just not looking good for Tupac Shakur. I mean, the guy's being kept under because of his injuries and the times I've seen him, he's just not looking good. Again, medicine can only do so much. And from what I knew of the injury, it just, it was really severe. And if he did recover, I don't think he's going to be doing what he was making his money at. Because of his lung being removed. Right. I mean, from what, the way I gather, you probably need both lungs to successfully perform in what he was doing. So as the week comes to an end, you're thinking this is going to turn into not attempted murder, but actual murder. Well, I'm thinking that. I'm hoping for the better, but, you know, it was, I wasn't totally surprised when I got the call, put it that way. Describe the circumstances when you got the call. Well, it was September 13th. Uh, I was eating somewhere. I don't remember exactly. I just remember Kevin called me. Kevin Manning, the detective sergeant. Kevin Manning, my sergeant, called me and he says, uh, Shakur died and they're going to do the autopsy tonight, which was unusual because when he called me, well, it had to be after five o'clock. Maybe it was closer to six. I don't remember the, uh, the actual autopsy report. And when I say the autopsy report, I'm talking about the report the doctor does because they put a time to start things. The coroner's investigator's report is a whole different deal. That's when he's called to the hospital. And I believe that his report said the doctor declared him dead at a little after four o'clock on the 13th. My understanding is that Tupac's mother, Afini Shakur, had just said, basically, you know, let him, let him go. You know, don't resuscitate him again. So unplug him, unplug him. Had you heard yeah. that? And that, I've heard the story all I, it, at this point, it has no bearing to me. He's dead because of what happened. I mean, there's a lot of people that are kept alive that probably shouldn't be alive, but machines do it. And it just comes to a point where a family says, this is no way to live. And that's true. That's, that's not a quality of life. And it didn't appear that he was having any quality of life. And from what I later on learned how he lived his life, he wouldn't have wanted to be that way. So, so they, uh, whatever they did, he, the doctor declared him dead. And what the normal process is, especially in that, because it's an investigation, uh, they would have done that. They'd have notified the coroner's office. They probably would have called the police department because the detectives, the night detectives and whoever uniforms would have gone over there because, again, there were still people hanging around outside UMC trauma. And if he dies, they aren't going to want to make this just public right here and now because of what's going to happen. What did they think was going to happen? Well, you've got these people hanging around out here. You know, you don't know what they're going to do. You know, what kind of, is it going to create a bigger crowd to gather now? 
You know, it's just things you don't want to have to deal with. There's other things you need to do. And um, I can tell you that the manpower staffing, I don't know how many officers, if any, were there at the time that he passed away. But if you were to walk right outside and tell everybody immediately, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, the cell phones are going to go, start ringing all over the place. And it's going to draw people and what's going to happen, what what they're going to do. But they were just trying to pay their respects. Well, I'm sure most of them were. But are every, is everybody doing that? I don't know. There wasn't just one or two people there. I says, I know you'll, you'll say, uh, well, how do you know anybody wants to do anything wrong? He says, well, how do you know anybody wanted to do anything good? You're just assuming that there were people, you know. I'm just, I'm just being cautious in my thinking. But I wouldn't have been called when he died at a little after four. I wouldn't have gotten the call right away. There's a certain process they have to go through with the coroner's investigator because he has to go over there and do certain things. And I'm sure he went over there and talked to Afini Shakur. Uh, they would ask if they had a mortuary, because some families have things planned. You know, they have a mortuary planned. Some places don't, and they have what's called a duty mortuary. And a duty mortuary would come and pick up the body and go do whatever they do and transport the body to the coroner's office. And then it would go from there. So they would have been called. The coroner's investigator would have gone there. There was probably some police officers there for the initial stages. Their names would be on the report. And in fact, I think, I think there are some names on there. And I know Kevin's name is on there because they probably called Kevin since he's the sergeant for the investigation. So the names of the officers that I, that I have seen other than, you know, you're the de detectives, investigators on it, what would their functions have been? They were just officers that were there at the scene when the coroner's investigator got there. And they, their reason... They, they, were they were probably there not for any investigative purpose, other than to maybe document that he passed away. They could have been there for security. I don't know, you know, because the point is, I was told that they were going to sneak his body out of there. They didn't want to have the corners, the mortuary van pull up right out in front or wherever and wheel his body out with all those people standing there. It'd be kind of tacky anyhow. So from my understanding is they wheeled him in, they had a spot figured out and they took his body and loaded him on the uh, mortuary van and took him to the coroner's office. And Athena Shakur would have been there. She'd have known he was dead. She would have been at she the hospital have, or the coroner's office. Yeah, she or at, at, or at least known what was going on. I would think she might've been at the hospital. I don't know if the mortuary was a pre-planned deal or, or what. They probably would have asked her. And they may have even asked what her plans were for the body. You know, they have a certain report they do. That's just for the location where the body's picked up. 
then it's transported to the coroner's office. When I got the phone call, and again, I don't remember, it was five, six o'clock, but it was later. Kevin said he'd passed away. They were going to do the autopsy tonight. And I think it was because they were concerned about people finding out he passed away, where he's at, and maybe start to congregate over there. And I don't know if there's a rumor or what, someone trying to take the body or some silly thing, but it's highly unusual to do a nighttime autopsy. And that was, that was scheduled. You have said that there was nothing normal about Tupac Shakur's autopsy. Well, there was nothing normal in the sense of how everything transpired. I mean, they secretly got him out of the hospital is the way I understand it. They got him to the coroner's office. And again, I've never done a nighttime autopsy before. Normally, someone passing away at four o'clock in the afternoon, the body would go there and they'd do the autopsy probably the next day. On a weekend? Yeah. Well, they did autopsies on Saturdays and stuff, but they just wouldn't do it in the evening. So they didn't use a regular coroner's van to take him to the coroner's office. That's your understanding. What kind of, they used a regular hearse or... No, what the way I remember at 96, they usually have a mortuary. And there should be on the coroner's investigators report a mortuary attendance. Their names would probably be on there. So the mortuary would be called. They drive, it's just a van. It's not, most of them just had a van. It's just a nondescript van. It probably didn't have their name on it or anything like that. But they had a gurney in there. Uh, the coroner's office would have probably brought a body bag because they're going to put the body in the bag. They're going to do the paperwork and, the, and everything. And then they would put the body in the van and drive it to the coroner's office. And they have a bay that they used to back into to unload. And they had certain administrative work they had to do because it's the coroner's office. It's a county office. They had certain things to do. We had nothing to do with that. That was just their gig. I just know that when I got there, I met Kevin Manning, my sergeant, and Mike Franks, my partner. And I don't remember who the CSI was. The CSI would be there. The CSI would have been the, the crime scene investigator. Correct. And I don't know if it was... I don't know that it would have been the same person that was there the night of the shooting. I, because it's in the swing shift, I think it was somebody else. Because the guy who was working at the, the night of the shooting worked graveyard shift. Now, why would there be a crime scene investigator at an autopsy? They have to do some, photo some basic photography work. Now, they aren't doing photography of every little tuck, cut, or everything like that. Uh, they usually, I think, they took pictures of the bag. It was, to, it was to document that it wasn't disturbed. It would show the tag. It would show what's on there and such like that. Stopping you and, there, uh, then, disturbed, show that it wasn't disturbed. What does that mean? So the body would have bag been bagged at the, or the, the hospital. hospital. Okay. Well, it should have been zipped up and sealed 
meaning, and from point A to point B, that should be sealed. Nothing, because if something happens between point A and point B, you have potential contamination of evidence because the body is evidence at this point. So that's why that's done. So they're gonna show photographs because someone probably took a photograph at the hospital when it was done. And then you take a photograph here to show that it's arrived safely without any issues. And then... Uh, and then? And then they would do the photographs of that uh, you know, eventually the, I don't remember the CSI or the ID, the assistant for the uh, Corner. coroner's office, they took fingerprints because you've got to do, you know, it's just to help identify the body if there's fingerprints. And stopping you there, uh, why mm -hmm. are the three of you there? Your partner, Mark, Detective Mike Franks, and your sergeant, Kevin Manning, and you, Detective Brent Becker, why were the three of you there? On every murder, we went to the autopsy. We were there to observe what was happening, and if something showed up, or if we had questions. Mike and I loved to ask questions, and we loved a doctor that was willing to answer our questions. Sometimes you didn't get that lucky. What sort of questions? Well, you know, we'd see, we'd see an injury. Say we'd see an injury. And we'd say, Doc, what do you think caused that? What do you think did this? What do you think did that? And if I remember right, Benjamin, Dr. Benjamin Jordan was the doctor who did the autopsy. And Dr. Jordan was a great guy. He was one of those guys. He didn't think you were asking stupid questions. You know, we're just cops. We aren't doctors. We aren't medical professionals. We're asking questions that are related to what we see. And is there something special about this that maybe is important to know? And Dr. Jordan was willing to talk to us about all that stuff. Great guy. And I just remember we went through the autopsy. I remember they opened the bag. They have them on a table. They have all these things they got to do. He's recording stuff. He's talking you know, as far as what he's doing. The coroner. The coroner, the medical examiner, the doctor. Dr. Jordan. Dr. Jordan, and he's also got an assistant there. Now, the assistant would do a lot of different hands-on things, too. I don't remember who the assistant was. Now, what kinds of questions were you asking? Well... The obvious question, we wanted to hear it from him because I remember when his body was removed from the bag, he was bloated. I mean, he to me, he was bloated. And I had an idea of what it was, but I wanted to hear it from him and he felt his body cavity was full of blood, which means he probably had a wound that was leaking internally. Now, you had seen Tupac when he was still alive in the hospital also bloated. Correct. And that's what I suspected was going on, is that he's got a wound in there and they're, you know, they can only do so much. And depending on the trauma of the wound, you know, I don't know what exactly they do to try to stop the bleeding, but I'm, I know that that's their goal. Sometimes it doesn't happen. It's just the way it is. 
And I just remember because they do, he was bloated and, and yeah, it was because they suspected. And in fact, it was confirmed that his body was full of uh, fluid, blood. Tell, tell me more about the process. Usually how long does an autopsy last or is there a norm? You know, if there aren't any surprises, it's probably going to be at least an hour. I mean, it takes time. You know, they aren't just out there. There's there's a science to this. They aren't just going willy-nilly here. They they're it's still it's a dead person, but it's their remains. And they're going to do what they can. They it's bad enough that they got to do what they do because what happens at an autopsy is not something you wish on anybody, but uh, there's a reason for doing it. And, you know, they do the Y, y incision. It's one of the first things they do to open up the body cavity. And then they, they examine the organs. And in this case, he's confirming that the right lung's gone. You know, you've got the reports from the hospital, but now the medical examiner has got to... Because the medical examiner is the one who ultimately determines if this thing, well, one, he's going to call it a homicide. All right. Because the, the medical examiner is the one that auto, is the one who determines where you go. It's either homicide by taking of another, it's a suicide or whatever. Because that terminology can dictate what happens from this time forward. If he just said this was a suicide, which we knew it wasn't, but I'm just saying, if he'd have said suicide, well, that's a whole different story. That's somebody wanting to kill themselves. So, and ultimately, he just, he said it was a homicide. And he said by, I believe he put multiple gunshot wounds, or at least a gunshot wound. It would be on his, his death certificate would say it. And then the autopsy report that they actually do would specify things. Do you recall if any projectiles, any shrapnel was found? I don't believe so. I thought I thought they got everything at the hospital. I believe all that evidence was gathered after the fact. Because the fact that they're removing they removed a lung at the hospital, you know, I don't remember if there was a projectile in his lung or what, but you would guess it probably was, so it would have been in there. And the CSI people would have got gathered, collected all that as time went on. I was also thinking that because of his previous encounter with a gunman in New York and, you know, who knows, you know, there might have been other incidents where he might have been shot and the bullets were still in his body. Well, and they would list any wounds because they may see wounds that are old wounds. I mean, here's a guy who's been shot. I don't remember exactly. It would be in the report. They would list old gunshot wound to the right shoulder or something like that. They would go, they would go through that. They would note anything wrong with any organs when they were looking. Uh, and then they would take samples of organs. They would determine, you know, they can determine their last dinner, their last meal because of stomach contents. Uh, there's just all kinds of scientific things they do. And they will take samples and, and 
Autopsies are gruesome. And eventually what they do is after they've got their samples, the remaining body organs are put in a, they're put in a bag. And that bag is put back into the body, into the body cavity. And the body is going to be sewed up because the mortuary is going to come get the body. They get what they have to have for their purpose. It's not the coroner's office to, to dispose of body parts. Their job is to collect potential evidence to the, for their purposes and possibly for our purposes. Would there also have been a look at his a blood, a blood sample taken, or would that have been at the hospital? Well, they'd take blood sample there. They usually take a piece of a rib. You got to realize DNA in 96 was still young, but they would take a piece of a rib. Uh, they'll take things for DNA use. They will take vitreous from an eye. There's a purpose for that. They do all these things. And DNA for what purpose? You knew well, he was too popular. Remember, D DNA was not an issue here. If you have a John Doe, DNA could become an issue because you may need DNA to compare to someone to identify. Because we've had John Doe's before that were murder victims. We didn't know who they were. And so you collect it on the hopes that someday if we say, oh, we think it's this person, we can find family member that we can compare to. Correct. Over the years, I've done a number of stories involving Jane Doe's and John Doe's. In this case, his DNA was collected or not? You're saying you're saying it normally was well, collected? Well, not the DNA per se. We knew who he was. Correct. Everybody knew, we knew who he was. There's no, there's absolutely no doubt whose body was at the coroner's office. It was Tupac Shakur. We know who it was. They, nobody was switched from Harmon and the Boulevard to UMC. Nobody was switched from UMC to the coroner's office. And nobody was switched from the coroner's office to the mortuary that ultimately Afeni Shakur had his remains cremated. If he wasn't, if that didn't happen, she's the lady that you need to talk to. And unfortunately, I don't think she's around to do that. So she did pass away. So you are bringing up something that I did want to explore, and that's why I thought it was important to do an episode really focusing on the autopsy, is that there are a lot of people who do not believe that Tupac actually passed away on September 13th, 1996. And when you say that the body could not have been switched you know, at any point, is it not within the realm of possibility? Well, if you believe an alien being came in and zapped that van on the way to the coroner's office, I guess that could happen. But I am 100% sure that the body that was at the coroner's office was Tupac Shakur. And I can tell you that no human being can survive what happens to the body at an autopsy if they were alive when they got put on that table. It's just physically impossible. And when I left the coroner's office 
Tupac Shakur's body was still there because I wasn't there to wait for the mortuary to come and pick up the body and take it to the mortuary to do what they had, his mother had uh, arranged. So once the autopsy's done, in fact, they do all this. I may see them sewing up the body, sewing it back together where they did the Y incision and the cut on the scalp and all that. But these aren't things we are concerned about for documentate for recording. We don't take pictures of that. We don't have them take pictures of all these little all these little things. What did you want then? What were you looking for? We were there to see. We wanted to hear the doctor's determination. One, what killed him? I mean, did he die from a gunshot wound? Did he die from medical malpractice? I, <laughs> you know. I'm pretty convinced, you know, I, I'm convinced of what happened. The, the doctors didn't, you know, they did all they could. But we want to see if there's any other evidence that we could use. Because you just never know. I've had, I've had a person we thought just dropped dead. And thankfully, we secured the apartment. We got to the autopsy and they x-rayed the head and I found a 22 bullet in the guy's head. Well, that's not a guy dropping dead just because he got killed. So now we went from a, an unknown death to a murder. And thankfully, we used our gut instincts and secured the place. And it went from there. You know, it's just, you never know what's going to happen. and. You know, dot your I's and cross your T's as best as best you can. And to be clear, the, these DNA samples were taken of Tupac, correct? Well, they took blood. They took the rib bone, the rib. They would have taken the rib. Now, did they do a DNA? Thing? I don't know that. I don't know why they would. Why would you spend the time or the money if you know who it is? That's usually for something. There's a question mark. But you have the sample. Absolutely. Yeah, there was absolutely no doubt who this was. So you had the sample. I don't sample. care. Yeah. And I don't care who says what. I don't care if the President of the United States or the Pope of the Catholic Church says he's not dead. They're liars or they're full of shit. Simple as that. That's what I'll say. Tupac Shakur is dead. End of story. So the blood. Hmm? It was tested for drugs? Oh, they probably would have done a drug screen. That's just a normal course. And I don't know that anything was found. It, there was nothing unusual to his body that would have caused his death other than the gunfire. My understanding from what I've read is no drugs were found in his system. No substances yeah, I, were found in his system I don't at all. doubt it. And if you think about it, if you think about it, was his whole body transfused? I mean, they were pumping blood into him. If you put new blood into someone and it's cleaning out the old blood, guess what? I mean, I guess you could get trace elements, but the way I understand, they were trying to replenish his body at a regular pace. Hence, that's why it was the bloating thing that we saw. I mean, they were having to keep him full of blood to keep him alive. And my understanding, if they had found drugs in his system, it would have been marijuana, 
uh, that's he didn't take any okay. hard drugs, and that's legal in most in most places these days. Well, and marijuana isn't going to kill you alone, and that I don't care if he had marijuana in him or not, that wouldn't have killed him. You know, I'm sure that's become an issue today with the Olympics, and someone said marijuana was a an enhancing drug for sports. I said they're full of they're full of it. <laughs> so yeah, if he that wasn't an issue, I don't care if he had smoked a joint while he was driving down the road before he got shot. It had no bearing on what killed him. Okay, so what else do you remember about being in that room? Because you're one of you know, really a handful, basically, of people who was in there for the autopsy. Right. Uh, once they were finished, they just did what they did to prep the, the remains for the mortuary. Uh, we didn't stick around for everything. The body was still in the room that they do the autopsies at. And I remember we all, Mike Franks, Kevin Manning, and I went out. It's We'll call it the hallway outside the door. And it led to the main office where their people work during the day and they may have some rooms that they store things. And I remember out there talking amongst each other, you know, just about what what was going on and where we we're going to go from here. And I know that a at least one general assignment detective, a night detective, was out there. And I saw him walk into that room where they do the autopsies, and he had a Polaroid camera in his hand. Let me stop you right there. What would a general night detective be doing there under normal circumstances? He shouldn't have been there for our case, put it this way. I don't know if they had someone, uh, something coming. Uh, because, you know, they could get a... a accidental death or something maybe they want to come down for some information but under normal course they they wouldn't be there were there any other bodies in that area at the time i don't recall any well in that room there wouldn't have been because remember nighttime autopsies are very unusual. rare they 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 have a cooler i'll call it you you see you watch TV, they'll have all these metal doors on the wall where they pull the body out. Well, that wasn't the way this was set up. This was a big refrigerator room, and bodies would be on gurneys in bags until they were processed. Uh, there shouldn't have been another body. There wasn't another body in there. It would have been just him. Now, a general detective, that's what you call him? General assignments. General detective, assignment yes. detective, uh, you know, and reporting, you're a general assignment reporter too. So I was like, am I saying this right? Mm -hmm. So this general assignment detective, would he be investigating a homicide? He could be called to the initial scene. I don't remember if he was one of the detectives who was out at the original shooting or not. But had, uh, even if he... A report would say who was there. But even if he were out on the original scene there would be no purpose for him to be there. He didn't need to be there, no. Okay, so you see this general assignment detective. You see him... And I see him with a Polaroid camera in his hand, which I thought was unusual, but I don't know what he's doing. But I did see him walk into that room, 
And we ended up leaving because he was still there when when I left. So you see this general assignment detective going into the room you'd just been in where the autopsy of Tupac Shakur had taken place. Mm-hmm. He has a Polaroid camera. You find that unusual? Yes. yes. And we ended up leaving. All right. I have no idea why he's there. Uh, we're done with what we we're there for and we leave. And I don't think much of it until the day, the day a photograph ends up in somebody's hands. And then, uh, you know, you just go, well, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out because that photo that became the big deal was a Polaroid photo. And it was a photo of Tupac Shakur after an autopsy. And it's a photo that we did not take. It was not a photo that our CSI took. It's not a photo that's in our case file. Uh, And at least while I was there, we didn't just pass out stuff to be used, especially for someone writing a book or a newspaper article. I recall when I came to do the story, when I first met you, when you know we did the interview, that you had mentioned that $100,000 had been offered for the photograph of Tupac Shakur's uh, autopsy photo. I had heard that. I had I'd gotten a, you know, we got a lot of anonymous phone calls. Uh, but you'd get phone calls from all kinds of people wanting things, you know, and that was when it first started. And then when that autopsy photo came out, I thought, well, I, the first thing I'm thinking is how much did they get for that? I know that with it, Kathy Scott was the one who got it. She, I think, I don't know if she admitted paying for it or she just, said she got the photo. I don't remember how that came about. but And she was a local reporter with the Las Vegas Sun and went on to write a, a book that did feature that photograph. Yes. My understanding was that there was an investigation into how that photo ended up, you know, in a book. Yeah, and that would have been done by Internal Affairs. It wouldn't have been us. So I believe someone talked to us about it, uh, but it had nothing to, we didn't do it. My understanding is also that there were, were some photographs taken of Tupac Shakur at the coroner's office where they were apparently meant to be used in training. Now, by the coroner's office? It was taken by somebody from Las Vegas Metro Police Department, and the photos were to be for used training? for training. That's what I really I, couldn't understand. But yeah, I don't. I've never heard that story. I don't understand that story. I I didn't either. Okay, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Apparently, they were pulled. I says, but you know what? I've I've been told I have I don't get the big picture sometimes. So. <laughs> Apparently the photos were taken and then pulled. I mean, they didn't use them for training, but I did wonder what 
possibly, you know, what training function that they would have had. Now, if you're talking about photos that our CSI took, you got to realize they take pictures. There's negatives because this was before the digital world. Uh, those that film would have had to have been processed by the photo lab, and they'd have made prints for that. And I'm trying to recall back then, did we get two sets of prints? We might have got two sets of prints, and we had to we put a set in the in the case file, and we may have a, a set in an envelope locked up, but. Because if you ever submit a case to the district attorney's office, you're going to be submitting photographs with it. And that's what the second set of photos would be for, is to put it in the case file. Because literally, you're making a copy of the entire case file short of the cassette tapes. We always kept the cassette tapes, but the transcription of what was on the tape is in the case file. And that would all, you know, the DA's office would have all that. So you're saying all the photographs that you were responsible for dealing with in the case file, they never were sold, they never were distributed? No. In fact, I can tell you from the beginning, and I don't remember if I ended up later on, years later, but in the very beginning, we used to lock that up in our desk at night. The case file. Just because of the notoriety of it. And, and then when the damn Polaroid came out, that was just like, oh boy. Because I knew, I said, this that's just nothing but bad news. Well, some would say that at least it was proof that he passed away when there was all this conjecture that he had not. Yeah, and I've also heard people say that that's not him because there's differences in the body. Correct. They said, what, what, what was it? Something about his weight. Right. And I kind of laughed. I laughed because I says, why the body looks ways when it, say, gets injured. Okay. Now, keep in mind, he was bloated. He was filled up. Well, blood in the body cavity is a weight issue. His right lung has been removed. I don't know what a lung weighs, but guess what? That lung is no longer in his body, so there's some weight that's missing. So you're going to have, and depending on how long a body's there, from the time they're injured till the time they die, there's who knows what's going on. Well, on that point, and I was going to ask you about that, on Tupac's driver's license, it said he was five. 10, 169 pounds, and it's for the height. Okay. I know that Michelet, uh, also a singer at Death Row, said that they were about the same height, which is shorter than 5'10", but on his right. driver's license, he said he was 5'10", and according to the coroner's report, it says he's six feet, so would he have grown two inches and 215 no. pounds? Now, now, the weight I could understand in the sense of that's how much he weighed coming in there because his body is filled with fluids. The height, I don't know. I don't recall exactly how the coroner's office did that. We didn't. We had nothing to do with that. So I don't know how they measured it. You know, again, it's very subjective no matter what you're doing. 
But that if seems... If they're using a tape measure or whatever. Well, 5'10 and 6 foot, 2 inches is 2 inches. And uh, a, a driver's license, I don't recall them measuring you. I thought they... Didn't they just ask you what your height was? <laughs> right, exactly. I think they asked you for your height and weighed it, but right. driver's license bureau, so it doesn't matter. You could lie about that. Right. I mean... How many women have lied about how much they weigh on their driver's license? Come on. You have a good point. But how many men have lied <laughs> about their height? Oh, well, exactly. I'm betting there's some short guys stretched it out a little bit. <laughs> well, if you are to believe this interview I saw with Michelle A., the singer, Tup- Tupac would have stretched it out to say he was 5'10". And and he may have. I don't remember. Uh you had well. Did they black that? Did they redact his height and weight on that report I did? And I probably would have got that information off of a driver's license or something. So if his driver's license said five ten, that's probably what we used. Uh, as far as the height and weight at the coroner's office, they'd be the ones you'd have to talk to specifically as to how did they come about that and how how about the weight. But as a detective, how would you explain that discrepancy? Well, the weight I can explain by the fluid in his body when he got there. The height, I have no idea. I I don't. I, I have no idea. Also going... Unless, unless somehow from the bloating, I don't know if his head was swollen. You know, his face was swollen. Two inches is a lot of swelling, though. You know, I can see some swelling on the top of the head between the skull and the scalp, but two inches old, that's a substantial amount there. So, and I don't think there's anything, I I don't know how it works for the coroner's office. I just know from our perspective, we had no doubt. We know who it was, and the height and weight that they got was for their purposes. It wasn't for ours. Now, going back to the photo for just a moment, and I do understand that this happened after your tenure as a detective with this case, but there was a report of a young woman, a comedian, but she said she was 17 years old at the time, that she was at the police headquarters with her judge mother and a detective basically said to her, Hey, would you like to see Tupac's body, you know, autopsy photo. And it was from the case file. People hear that and it makes them think that the case wasn't taken seriously. What is your take about that? That seems very unusual. It's, Nothing that ever happened when I was in there that the the only people that would have seen those photos, well, when you were there doing the story, you were allowed to see certain things because that was the agreement. Otherwise, it would have been just law enforcement that would have seen that. We wouldn't have been showing stuff to the media. Uh, we certainly wouldn't have had a 17-year-old girl come in there and show that. Uh I can't explain why someone would do that. It just, if it happened, it's unusual. I don't necessarily agree with it, but see, I'm only hearing part of the story. 
I'm not saying I'm that it didn't happen. I'm just saying I don't know what happened, the total story. It's still unusual, though. I just don't know why you would show anything like that to a 17-year-old that has nothing to do with anything. And to basically invite them to look at it, not even, she wasn't going in there and saying, hey, I'd like to see the picture of Tupac Shakur, the autopsy photo. At least that's the story that she has said that it was offered right. to her while she was in there, you know, following her mother, who was a, a judge. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, just, I can't explain it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're saying while you had the photos, nothing like that happened. No. The only people that saw anything in that case file was you for that story, which means you're photographer, probably. Photographer right? and, and sound person. Yeah. And then Tim and Lowell. any law enforcement that we may have met with to exchange some information. That would have been it. We didn't have pictures hanging up in the office. Like I said, the, we kept that book pretty secure in the beginning. I, you know, once I left, I don't, I don't know what happened. But certainly, you know how that makes the investigation sound to hear a story like that. It, it's not something you want to hear. I agree, and like I said, I have no explanation for it. I don't know the circumstances, but it just seems different. Unusual. When was the first that you heard that people thought Tupac was still alive? Oh, I think that was going on while we were still investigating, when I was still working. Oh, very early. Uh, After I did the story, I, I heard it. Yeah. I, very I, early on. I remember... It was after he was dead. Well, Mike was still there because Mike retired a year before I left. Uh, I remember getting a call from a officer in Kansas somewhere wanting to confirm that Tupac was dead because he had someone there telling him a story. And well, first I was just a little bit miffed that a policeman would call me to ask such a question. I, I just thought, really? <laughs> I says, I told him, I says, well, he's dead. You can tell whoever it is you're talking to. Who, what kind I'm not of... going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and call him an idiot or anything. I'm just sitting there going, I just can't believe this is happening. What kind of, was this officer saying that someone was claiming to be Tupac or I'm trying to understand the context? No, I think it was just some person, you know, it's just like, you got people claiming to see Tupac on the Navajo reservation or... Correct. Tupac in Cuba or... Correct. You know, Malaysia. I'm still waiting for... I'm sorry, but I'm still waiting for someone to tell me they saw him and Elvis doing a duet in Tupelo. You know? It's just, it's just how ignorant it is. It's ignorant. That's exactly what it is. It's ignorant to even think that. The man's dead. There's nothing, there's nothing else I can say to change people's mind, but September 13th of 1996, I saw him and he was dead. Mike Frank saw him and was dead, and Kevin Manning saw him and was dead. And then all the people from the coroner's office, that doctor at UMC, why would it, did they realize how many people would be involved in that conspiracy? <laughs> That's a lot of people. You can't get two people to shut up about something unless the one kills the other. So, yeah, it's it's just absurd. 
but you know, people they need something, I guess, in their life. I don't know. Well, if in fact it happened, you would have been part of that conspiracy. Well, yeah. Well, there ain't no doubt about that, you know, and it fits with some of the things that come up later on, you know, with phone calls and stuff. But again, I just go to why would all of these people sit down and talk amongst themselves and say, this is what we're going to say. We're going to cover it up. Why would Afini Shakur do that? You know? That, that if it gets right down to it, are people saying that Afini Shakur was that bad a lady to do that to her kid? I think the sentiment might be more like, and I, I'm just saying this from based on mm-hmm. things that I've read and seen, that Tupac wanted out of the life he was living and faking his death was a way to make that happen. Well, and I don't know about that story. Uh, I know during the investigation, there is the information about him wanting out, but not not out of the lifestyle. Right, but it was just a way to remove himself. Now, there was this album that Tupac was working on, or finished actually at the time of his death, that apparently was bumping when Suge and Tupac were on their way to the 662 Club. And another reason people believe that it was a conspiracy and that, you know, this was something that he planned in advance is because of songs heard on this album. Right. Machiavelli, based on Machiavelli. Did you listen to any of that music in the course of your investigation to try to understand? I've, I've heard it. I don't, I didn't go out looking for it. I've heard different pieces of it. The thing that, I learned because I realized I had no knowledge. I had no interest in the rap industry. But because of this investigation, I got an earful of it. And uh, as it turns out, if anybody knows anything, the, the man, Tupac Shakur, he had recorded a lot of his songs. A lot of his songs. Not one or two, a lot. And they had not been released yet. They were sitting wherever they store these recordings. And from what I understood, it's the normal course was you record these. And this is a money-making industry. You do what? How many, what, 12 songs go on an album today? I don't know what goes on, you know. You release X amount. And you don't always release 12 new songs. You throw in some old ones with some new ones. So if he, and I'm just throwing this number out. I'm not saying they were there. If he had 200 recordings of songs that had not been released yet, well, unless you just splashed all 200 out in one day, it's going to take a while to release all those. And I know that that is, in fact, what happened from the investigation. Well, he was very prolific, to be sure. I mean, a lot of other... Oh, yeah, and... And I'm sure Suge Knight's even confirmed that. Oh, well, I think he has. Uh, I'm sure Afini Shakur would have confirmed it at some point in her life. Because I know she was involved in the estate. 
as far as that goes, and when I say estate, I'm talking about the recording part of it. But I will say that I did listen to a lot of his music just to get a better sense of who he was. And a lot of his fans have listened to his music over the years. And some, based on that, have come to the conclusion that, no, he faked his death. Well, and you know what? They have the right to their opinion, and so be it. Doesn't change what I know. I first heard about this, cons- you know, this thought that there was a conspiracy that Tupac had faced, faked his own death. And I thought, okay. But then I had people that I knew asking me and believing it, including a news photographer. So there are people who really do, you know, they believe it to this day. Legions, actually. And Shugnight has come out saying that that's the case. There are sightings you can see on Instagram, on social media, that he's, you know, all these different places. Your thoughts when you hear about that in 2021? Well, it's funny because I don't really, one, I don't watch the news because I don't consider the news anything but tabloids today. I don't read the paper or anything. I get more, anything I ever get about this case is usually from people I know. And ironically, most of it's from overseas in Europe. Apparently, he's a big deal over there, too. And the people I know over there know me. They were in law enforcement, and they know that the man's dead. But they say, hey, guess what's being put out? And I says, well, that's just the way it is, I guess. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I'm not on, like I've told you before, I'm not on here to change anybody's mind. I'm just to tell you what happened when I was there and because you can't change people make up their minds about stuff it's it's silly and and my thought is you can have your opinion which is something that's hard to do in this world right now nobody wants you to be able to express an opposing opinion well my my thought is well so be it it doesn't change anything as far as I know it so as far as you know you said you left before the mortuary arrived to take Tupac's body. Correct. And as far as you know, he was cremated. I know That's what I was told. I was told that Afini Shakur wanted him cremated. It would be on a death, a death certificate. And apparently those are public record. Uh, a death certificate should say when, uh, have the, doctor's name from the autopsy. It should list the cause of death and it should list what happened, be it burial, cremation, or whatever. From what I understand, it says cremation on there too. And it was Afini Shakur that directed that that happen. Twenty-five years later, no arrests have been made in connection with Tupac's murder. If you have any questions you'd like to ask retired Las Vegas Metro Detective Brent Becker about the case, you have a few ways to reach out. Use the hashtag TupacMurderPodcast on Twitter or Instagram, or go to my website, TupacMurderPodcast.com. 
You can type out your question, record audio or video, and send it in. We will get to as many of your questions as possible. But then again, you may have answers to what actually happened 25 years ago. Send me a private message via Tupac Murder underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter, or just go directly to TupacMurderPodcast.com. I'm Lena Nozizwe reporting. Tupac's Murder Was His Case was created, produced, written, and hosted by Lena Nozizwe. That's me. I also came up with the artwork and music. Jen Nathan Orris is the sound producer and audio consultant. Lowell T.C. Woundla is the creative consultant emeritus. You've been listening to Lena Nozizwe reporting. Tupac's murder was his case. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends to do the same. For extra content, go to TupacMurderPodcast.com. Next time on Lena Nozizwe reporting, Tupac's murder was his case. I defy anybody to tell me that they did things perfectly in their investigations, whatever they might be, because I can bet you if we wanted to play that game, I could look at it and start picking it apart. But to what end? You know, you do the best you can with the best in, with the information you have. Sometimes things fall into place easier than others, and sometimes they don't. How would you identify your flaws in the investigation? I think our flaws are where most of the players that seem to be in this case are from another state, which makes things difficult. You've been listening to an Azizwe T original. All rights reserved. Three, two, one.